Hello and welcome back to another episode of the In The Round Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is sports media's number one, number one, Joe Linton, correspondent, Mr. Michael Breslin. How are you, Michael? Hello, I'm doing well. How's things? Yeah, not bad, not bad, not bad. Um, And underneath him on the computer screen, only on the computer screen, is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is the Mosley Marauder, Mr. David Harris. Hi, Will. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. I'm a little croaky, um, but a little happier after big Rom's performance this weekend. Um, lots to talk about in this podcast, mainly looking at the top end of the table and then talking about the Champions League. Um, so Arsenal fans will be delighted to know they won't be getting a mention in this episode. Um, so, only one That's place. big three points for them, by the way. I said we weren't mentioning them. Oh, I just thought them. I mean, they've got a better chance of staying up now. Yeah, it was a relegation six point. It was really nice stuff, wasn't it? That's yeah. That's all I've got to say. Yeah, yeah. I still forward, shit. Yeah. I mean, we're like we're at this point. We're like two, two bad results away from Harry Redknapp taking charge. So, um, let's start with the first of two big R's from the weekend. <laughs> Look at that. It's a theme for this podcast. Um, start with Big Ron. <laughs> And I, I don't mean uh, Ronnie uh, Corbett. Um, Mike, emotional for you this weekend as a true Premier League legend took to the, the hallowed turf of Old Trafford. Um, tell me, how did J9 play against United? Yeah, it was actually good to see him playing a proper football stadium. You know, <laughs> they, they don't seem to appreciate him up north in, at St James's. So, yeah, nice to get him into a proper stadium. Um, obviously tough, tough day for his team in the end. It was only, I mean, it, it was only ever going to finish like this, wasn't it? Yeah. Joel Linton probably, uh, yeah, not his, not his finest game yet again. <laughs> but he's out there trying hard, you know, and that's all you can ask. One of these days I'm going to ask you to actually describe what Joel Linton's finest game was. <laughs> because, <laughs> because every week we come on here and you're like, it's not his finest game. And so, I just, some, he must have done something good at Hoffenheim. He must have. <laughs> Wait, someone wrote an article about him being the next Favino, so maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that was, but. Oh, God. Dave, um, Ronaldo turns up again. It, I suppose it was inevitable, wasn't it? Yeah, I think everyone everyone sort of knew that he was going to do well on his debut. Um, I think with Ronaldo, you just expect him to score goals. I think that's just what you expect. And he did that. Um, I mean, they were, they were put on a plate by him, for him, but he still scored twice. So. Right. Uh, well, did you what? Did you see that the second goal? Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Come on, Mike. Apologies. Apologies. No, I'm just... Yeah, the first... Well, both of them are, are probably keeper errors. Uh, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> And the first one is is on a plate, but it's also kind of like Ronaldo. I'm not, I'm not more than there was errors on a plate was the wrong the wrong terminology. Okay, yeah, yeah. The, both of them are keeper errors. I'll agree with that. the The first one, I think Ronaldo might be the only one in the United team who'd score that who'd be there to score that goal. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, Cavani would have missed it. Cav- <laughs> that would have been it. Would have been impressive to miss from there. But uh, and that second one, the touch is sensational oh, it's to be fair. 
Oh, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable touch. And he, to be fair, we obviously he's 36, is he? Yeah. Something like that. You'd have thought he'd have lost some pace, but maybe the, the defenders, whoever he was up against, is quite slow. But that, that looked pretty quick to me. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, obviously, the finish is fine. It's it's through the legs. Woodman should do better. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you couldn't have scripted it any better. And you kind of, you kind of knew we weren't going to lose that game. And Ronaldo was almost certainly going to score at least one. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was kind of meant to be, wasn't it? It was just interesting from a point of view that that, that obnoxious celebration, he does it even when he scores a tap-in against New, Steve Bruce's Newcastle. Yeah. Um, fun fact, apparently he was one of the most illegally streamed... Sorry if the Constabulary is listening. Um, I wasn't watching it, but it's apparently no, one of the of, most... None of us were watching it. None of us fact. were watching it. It was one of the most illegally streamed games of all time, which was really funny because you've got two million people turning in to, to see Ronaldo and they've been treated to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's United and Steve Bruce's Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> of all the teams to watch. Yeah, what, um, what a horror game. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but... Aside, Ronaldo's two goals aside, it was a good, United's strength this season was full on show, wasn't it? Is that they just got an abundance of riches in the attacking positions? I mean, Mike, I think it's time for you to to walk some stuff back. Talk to me about Paul Pogba, the first person in history to get seven assists through the first four games of the Premier League. Well, that's cute, isn't it? We it'll, <laughs> it'll still be on seven by the end of the season. Oh, here we go. Are we are we actually calling? An assist for the for the Lingard goal and the Fernandez. Did he get assists for both of those? Yes, he did. Is that a joke? <laughs> it's Gabriel. They're not assists. He happened to play the pass, but the Lingard one is is good work from Martial, and then really nice work from Lingard to score the goal. And the other one, he just happens to be the person that passes it to Fernandez before he whacks it in the corner. Come on, guys, let's behave. So the follow-up question was going to be, how does how do you feel that this, he's apparently announced his decision to do a U-turn and re-sign with United? Oh, well, that's good. Maybe we can put a release clause in there so he can piss off for a transfer fee in the summer. Dave is Mike being harsh. <laughs> <laughs> Mike I feel like I might be. <laughs> it's, it is interesting, though, because it, it does sort of feel like once Pogba signs this new deal that seems inevitable, is he going to perform on the same level? Probably not. But he's certainly playing very well. Uh, I know Mike really doesn't like him, but all credit where it's due, I think he's been fantastic. And yeah, I guess with the assists, you you can argue they're not really assists, but at the end of the day, it's just how it goes, Mike. I certainly will be arguing that for the rest of the season. (laughs) Joel Linton gets two assists there. Are you you disputing the assists in your Joel Linton report? The problem is Joel Linton gets assists every game just because he's got the sheer gravity of his presence attracts defenders. Yeah, that is true. And unfortunately, we don't have a stat for that. Maybe expected threat, it'll show up a bit better. You never know. Expected threat. That's the new stat for this season. I was enjoying Bruno Fernandes' performance of just firing the ball into everyone's shins, expected shins, and then scoring an absolute banger. So I didn't quite This is literally, this is what he is. This is actually what he is. Do you know something? United are the most, it's basically, United are like ultimate team where you spend all your money on great forwards and you've 
and you just your midfield's a disaster and you get out of it because you've got Rafa Varane at the back yeah we happen to have packed Varane luckily <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's good no but I think it's in I think talking about Pogba in the context of the Ronaldo signing is quite interesting when you consider that earlier in the season Oli had a bit of success playing him out on the left um he quite likes him there because he doesn't have to think about looking the other way whereas you put him in that two and you can see Pogba just sort of like going oh fuck it we're just going to attack with five and we'll defend with Fred which is yeah. interesting for the for the actual goal where Steve I, I'm going to read to you right Steve Bruce's Newcastle cut through him like hot butter yeah that's the bit that's one of the bits that does frustrate me about Pogba obviously he has started the season well I will I will go on record and say say that but um <clears throat> But yeah, I don't. I still don't think you can play him in the two, like you're saying. He's no, God no. You just can't rely on him in there, so you you have to put him somewhere else where he doesn't have to worry as much. And if you put him in front of Luke Shaw, that's probably a good spot to be, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, what do you make about Jane Sancho's kind of subdued start to the season? I mean, a lot of the fanfare has been taken off him by the Ronaldo signing, but he still hasn't really popped. Yeah, I think subdued is the right word, to be fair. He hasn't shown too many glimpses even so far. Um, but obviously we know with, with what the numbers he was putting up in the Bundesliga and, and some of the s- clips you've, we've seen over the last couple of years, he is going to be good. It's probably a good thing for him, really, that Ronaldo comes in and, like you say, just t- totally takes the, the pressure off him because everyone forgets that we also signed him. <laughs> Because everyone's watching Ronaldo, so uh, and also Greenwood has started the season on fire as well. Uh, so he, ha- he hasn't had too many minutes yet, Sancho. I think I think he will grow into it a bit. But yeah, not not the uh, he hasn't flown out the traps quite like uh, some of the other players this season, Pogba and Greenwood, to mention a couple. No, it is interesting. Like D- Dave, did this? Did we talk last week about the idea that? The United signing, the, I say the United signing, the Ronaldo signing didn't really feel like it took them much closer to a title. Did this game sort of soothe any fears you had about United's title-challenging status? Uh, it didn't really change my opinion, I don't think. Um, yeah, they look, they obviously look good, but I think, like I was saying before, it's not these sort of games I worry about. It's the games against the other big teams. Like Fred and McTominay are going to get absolutely mauled by pretty much any of the other challengers in midfields, aren't they? That That's the games where if they do well in those, yeah, maybe my opinion will change. But putting 4-1 past Steve Bruce's Newcastle doesn't really change my opinion on anybody, to be honest. Unless it was more. It should basically be par for the course, shouldn't it? Really, yeah. if you if you're going to be if you want to be up there challenging for the league, you have to win these games pretty comfortably. Well, you just have to win them basically. Um, but yeah, I think the the Fred and McTominay thing that Dave was saying is definitely true against Chelsea and City. I don't I don't think the, the midfields compare there. Yeah, Liverpool's a bit Liverpool, more comparable. No, Liverpool are going to eat them alive. Yeah, I, think so, uh, I don't know. I, I think that's a bit closer. I think that one's a bit closer. I still, I still think Liverpool have a better midfield, 
but I, I think that one's that one's a bit closer. I'll, I'll, bounce, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there, Mike, but for the avoidance of doubt, I think Fabidio on his own could manhandle the two of those claps. <laughs> I just watched it. I, watched I just it. think it's a sh- well, we're going to get on to the Elliot thing, but I think he he, he makes them a lot better. I think without him for a while, that's that's not ideal for Liverpool, obviously. God, we, we haven't gone. Th- we haven't even discussed the the, the maverick that is Naby Keita. Um, but let's Christ. go. <laughs> Naby lad. Um, let's, let's, let's talk. Let's talk Liverpool then. Um, obviously, three uh, nil against um a, a lead side. Um, actually, before we go Liverpool, Mike, you turned around to me in the uh, in the middle of uh the festival that we were at this weekend and said to me in a round fashion should we be worried around Leeds and I was thinking not that Mike watching some music pal <laughs> <laughs> but go on go on tell me what yeah, you're worried about Leeds they're just they're great we love them but what but you you can't set up like this against any of the big teams because you're just going to keep getting slapped and that keeps being what what is happening it's yeah. uh, I mean, obviously they're they're fun to watch, but sometimes you could have you could have 30 yards in the centre of the field. It's just grass. Yeah. There's there's no Leeds players there because they're all man marking. They're all over the place. It's madness. Um, I what I mean by worried, I don't know that they'll go down. I don't think I think they're way better than that, but. If you want to push on from where essentially where they were last year, I feel like Bielsa is going to have to change what he does in these games against the bigger teams because Salah, Mane, Jota are just going to tear you apart if you give them if you give them space. And obviously, Mane's had about forty shots in this game. I, I don't know what the actual stat is, but it he, he felt like he was shooting on sight basically. Oh, ten shots. So he finally got his goal yeah, uh, near the end, but. Yeah, I just I think I I love them for being the way they are. But if you want to start challenging for Europe, for example, you're going to have to start picking up points in these games and they're not going to pick up any points playing like this, basically, is, is what I'm saying. It is odd because the second half of last season, after they spent the, the first half getting routinely battered in these games, you got a sense that they were starting to work some stuff out, particularly in their games against Chelsea and City, where Bielsa had seemed to have taken a slightly more conscious decision to stem the tide. But, Dave, like, when we're talking about Leeds, what do you think is Leeds' aspiration this season? Because for all the talk they give for all the talk they give out, it's kind of it seems that they aren't thinking about just being a team that does a palace and lingers in the league for a long time, but they want to make a real splash. So do you agree with Mike that they they need to they need to take that next step this season? Yeah, I agree with Mike. I think I think they need to start treating these games against the big teams as uh like I, I feel like they don't. It's not they don't treat them seriously. It's like they won't change their game plan. And I'm like, if you if you want to get up in the league, you've got to be more. You've got to be more clever against these these bigger teams. You've got a plan where you look to shut them down, and maybe you don't play how you do against ten of the other teams in the league. You've just got to think, because. I think their approach is that those games don't matter if they they lose them, 
which is fine if they want to stay in the league, which they will do, and if they want to come mid-table, like basically what they did last season. But if they want to progress, they need to take those games more seriously and look at trying to shut teams down instead of just being sort of like, we're going to go and play a game regardless and sort of give a good account of ourselves. You, you need to be changing it so you can, even if you grab a nil-nil or a 1-1, that's more useful for them than playing well but losing like 4-2 for example because yeah there's against the big six there's 12 games that they could be dropping points and that yeah only a couple of those games is it's going to be the margins between probably coming like 10th or 11th or 6th or 7th so I I think they need to be a bit more wise in those games yeah it's an interesting point isn't it um on to Liverpool. This is the with the injury to Roberto Firmino, who I know last time out against Chelsea was absolutely excellent. Less so in the offensive side of the game and more on the defensive side of the game, which is funny for you, striker. Um, but it was interesting what Klopp did here in that quite often when Firmino's been out, we've seen the idea that Salah goes up top and instead we saw Mane play up top and as Mike alluded to, had... Honestly, I mean, I mean, if he'd been on the grassy knoll, JFK would still be alive. Like he was, he just couldn't hit a barn door with a fridge. But he, he, he did actually play really well. I thought when I watched back, when I watched it back, just, just in that. And what makes him so dangerous as a number nine in many ways is which way do you send him, Mike? Yeah, that's I don't know uh, which way you send him. Yeah, it makes it so much more difficult, obviously, for a defender because you can just show certain players onto one foot and then they they can't really hurt you but Mane obviously has the skills with both feet so so when you when you when he stands you up then you're in big trouble because he he can go either way and you kind of just have to pick a side and hope yeah well he did he did it to Liam Cooper twice in one move where he stood him (laughs) up and then went left and then went right then went left then went right and I was like I was like it felt felt like an episode of Strictly Come Dancing to be honest (laughs) I felt really sorry for Liam Cooper, but um, obviously Mane sort of had a re. Of all Liverpool's front three, last year felt like a real step back for him, um, and he sort of started this season a bit better. But do you think we're coming to the end of perhaps him as an? He's never been the most efficient player, but it. What I'm trying to say is, do we think we've probably seen? the other side of his production being at that level that we've come to expect in that Liverpool after perhaps start thinking about succession planning for him. Yeah, probably. I would say so. I think we've seen the best of Mane, unfortunately, now. I, I don't know that he'll repeat the season or two that he had a couple of years ago. And in fairness, it is hard to repeat what he did in those in those seasons. He was unbelievable. Uh, the good news is Salah still looks like he's going to output goals and assists this season and probably beyond. And Jota, obviously, I think was a fantastic signing really in the end when you look at that again. Uh, and he's going to be good. They probably, what they really need is a is a prolific number nine. That, that would really be helpful because then you can spot uh, Mane with Jota. You've got Salah. Um, that's probably what I would go for obviously Firmino's injured as Will was saying but he's never been that prolific if you can add goals in through the middle I think that could uh 
could make a decent difference to Liverpool. I also wanted to mention about this game, how good a game that Trent had. Yeah. He was brilliant, a right back, and it looks yeah. like he might have his form back because he had a bit of an off-season as well last year. Yeah. It's, um, it's it's good luck because this is last year I had him on draft and I don't this year, so thanks, Trent. <laughs> um, in, interestingly enough about Trent was Klopp's comments um, saying... <gasps> Oh, that's, is that United conceding, Mike? 90 plus 5, they've just lost in Switzerland. Oh, no. <laughs> that's excellent. Um, but it was interesting about um, Klopp saying, uh, why would you put the best midfield, best right back in the world at, um, in midfield? And I would sort of, I sort of that, thought that was really interesting just to kind of get that idea that it's been talked about so often, but... Klopp just thinks he's so much more effective at right back, and he was proven right in this game. Um, Dave, bit of humble pie to be eaten, I think, by myself. Um, I've I've spoken many a time about Mohamed Salah, and particularly about his inability to score some of the easiest chances sometimes. But he's got 100 Premier League goals now in 162 games, which for a guy who's predominantly played out wide is is absolutely frightening, and I, I do think he is perhaps one of the best we've seen where does he rank in terms mm. of wingers you've seen in the league players like that where where would you at this moment in time if he was if he was to never play under the Premier League game where would you where would you have him roughly do you reckon in terms of like all Premier League wingers like ever yeah I'm thinking all I'm thinking all time I'm thinking I'm thinking where He's definitely up there well for sure I'd put him Trying to trying to think as well of obviously I'd say Ronaldo at first is is top really uh, it's a it's a tough one isn't it I I think when I think of Premier League wingers especially because it's what is it his fourth or fifth season now where he's had the same level of consistency I think fifth like. For example, someone like Leroy Sane was brilliant, but he didn't have the same goal output. Um, I mean, obviously, players like Robben, even, fantastic, but was only in the league for a little while. Honestly, when it comes to wingers... Damien Duff. Yeah, that's true, Will. Uh, he's okay. got to be He's got to uh, be top five, I reckon. Yeah, maybe just behind Salah. Maybe. And it's Hazard, sorry. I do think it's the in- interesting one with Hazard is... Uh, I, th- I don't the, on the stats front there's absolutely zero argument but what I would say is that Hazard was the best player on two title winning teams and carried them there practically on his own like the fact that he didn't win player of the year at the time that in 2016-17 was a farce and I'd say that as a man who fully loves N'Gola uh, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely put him in like yeah like top five prime wingers ever easy that's it I feel like we forget how good Salah really is. I think we do too. It's just like, oh, Salah scored another 20 this season. Mm-hmm. There he goes again. <laughs> well, for and while, I'm guilty of it as well. I'm guilty of it as well. Just, for, a while, for a while, I thought he's a system. I thought the Klopp system makes him better than he is. And I thought to myself, it'd be interesting to see when the system completely breaks down how good he actually is. And then you watched it last year where it wasn't working. And he was still an absolute demon. Like, he was unbelievable. Yeah. He was. He looked like he'd got leaned down, and he was just a nightmare. 
And I don't think he's quite as... I don't think at top, 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 he quite has the game-taking over abilities as some of the other absolute legends of the, the wing in the Premier League. Legends of the wing, God. There's your title. Legends of the wing. <laughs> but did you... But, you know, you know what I mean. I don't think he has that. It's like when it's like when you talk about the best wing players. Like, like they just like they go messy like in a way, and they just sort of completely control the game from out there. I don't think he's ever going to control the game from out there. But in terms of just it, impact bursts, I don't think there's anything like him. He's kind of like a shotgun. He just comes in, blasts you away, and then before you can recover, he's back in for a second blast. He's, he's unbelievable, and I think he's prob- really, really good. Probably deserves an absolute ton of respect that he doesn't quite get sometimes. Mm. And I say that as someone whose club fully let him go, <laughs> which is which is fucking lovely to be honest. Um, let's talk about the elephant in the room, and um, I don't mean Rafa Benitez is a good start uh, Everton. Um, <coughs> that's a that's a Spanish way to joke for all of you for 2013. Um. No, the tackle on Harvey Elliott, which is a real shame because I think it was only last week that we, or two weeks ago that we were on this podcast talking about how he'd played with such maturity and creativity and excitement in that game against Chelsea where he was absolutely fearless and brilliant, in fact. Um, obviously not what you'd like to see, but broken ankle, which is such a shame, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, is it dislocated? He's, oh, is it dislocated? He's got, okay. I think he's, he's. I think he's having an op- operation at some point. But yeah, it's a it's a huge shame. Obviously, hopefully speedy recovery for him. Um, yeah, you, you just can't make this tackle. You just no. can't. No. Um, obviously the injury makes it look. I think does make it look a lot worse. But you just can't make this tackle, and it's. Uh, it's crap that this is how it's ended. Uh, I did, I didn't like. I've seen obviously the strike uh, did the social media post, I think, and yeah. sent his best wishes, which was pretty classy, obviously. But Harvey yeah. said that he didn't think it was a red and to lay off strike because he was like, it's just an accident. Yeah, least, it's so. it's that leg underneath, isn't it? It catches him. For, for what it's worth, I don't understand how people don't think this is a red because it's reckless. Both feet off it, the ground. Both feet off the ground. Out. It's reckless and the player's endangered. It qualifies for everything that's a red. And yeah, I yeah. did think it was interesting watching watching the, the highlights of the Monday night game this morning. Was that this? I was watching Tarkovsky flying on Richarlison, and as much as I'd like to fly in on Richarlison, I, I just thought to myself that you're probably gonna <laughs> you're probably gonna start you need to protect your best players because we saw it with we've seen it not to bring his name up again but he didn't play in the league anymore we saw Hazard get kicked for 10 years in the league and now you look at him and he can't stay on the pitch because his body's just falling apart and Klopp made a point earlier this season to say that the Premier League referees were abdicating responsibility and they're letting things go that they shouldn't be letting go and you're already starting to see it you're already starting to see that players are going in a bit harder they're getting away with a bit more and I know none of us like to see silly red cards, but at the end of the day, I would rather see, I would rather see players get sent off rather than get stretched off. If you know what I mean. Yeah. And everyone I, would, I think. And I, I, I thought when I saw this Harvey Elliott thing, I thought to myself, Jesus Christ, Jurgen Klopp's right. Yeah, I hate that. 
and as well. Yeah. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right though. You just you can't make those tackles anymore, and we have to. At the end of the day, the players are the the product, and you need your best players to give the yeah. best product. So you keep keep them on the field, protect them at all costs, basically. Yeah, and I'm not saying it becomes a non-contact sport, but I'm saying things like this that are red cars, they have to be red cars, and things where people are out of control and really hard in these tackles, regardless of the outcome of winning the ball, I do think if they are deemed to be ridiculously out of control and vicious and forceful, then you know what you've signed up for. This isn't the 80s anymore. This isn't Graham Souness's world. Yeah, you could do anything then. Yeah, you couldn't stick a flag in the middle of a Fenerbahce pitch. Or was it Galatasaray? I can't remember. That'll have offended someone. Um, (laughs) In the long run, though, with um, Dave as our resident Scouse expert, um, what do you think of the the impact this is going to have on the midfield depth over at Liverpool? Because Elliot really had sort of staked a claim to be first choice in that midfield over... Tiago and Nabby Lad and things like that. Nabby Lad. Yeah. Also Chamberlain as well. Well, he's on paternity. Yeah, he definitely... It's a shame, really. He definitely started to come into the team as, I'd say, like more of a first-team player rather than like a... Just a promising youngster getting minutes off the bench. I think he was starting to, like, solidify his position in the starting eleven. thought he played really well these first few games. I think in terms of Liverpool, this leaves them pretty pretty ropey in midfield. I mean, Thiago, I like I like Thiago. I think his technical ability is great, but I'm not, still not hugely convinced by him in this Liverpool system uh, on the whole. Like, didn't, didn't think he really, he was just a strange signing even last season. I'm not, not sure he really adds that much to them. Uh, Henderson obviously is getting a bit older. I think Fabinho is fantastic. But then once you look past those three, uh, you've got Cater, who, to be honest, has never looked close to justifying whatever they paid for him. I think it was around million. Never really had a run in the team because of injuries. Obviously, Chamberlain, to be honest, He's had a lot of injuries. I don't think he's ever really... He's had the odd game, but he's never had a team of looking particularly good, I don't think. Then there's Curtis Jones, who sort of at that weird age where you can't really just put him down... Well, he's still only 20, but you're like, has he really developed since he first got into the team when he was 17, 18? And it's it's hard to tell, isn't it? Because he's not really had that many minutes it's not like they've sent him on loan I just think that I think that if they lose one of the first the first three of like Thiago Fabinho Henderson I think they'll be really struggling to be honest I don't think yeah. the three players can step in and do the job especially Fabinho good lord if Fabinho gets injured I'd, they've had it I reckon he was, he was excellent at the weekend in terms again stopping he's just an excellent player to yeah know. I think it was really interesting in terms of what I've noticed, what Elliot has given them that Thiago, for example, doesn't give them, is that drive that they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've really been missing since um, Wijnaldum, sort of. Yeah. As after club. 
Oh, I think that that's spot on, Will. He every time I've seen Elliot, he's always on the move and trying to make things happen. And that's uh, Tiago can do that, but you have to get him the ball. Whereas Elliot will go find it, um, which is a skill obviously Wijnaldum sort of had as well. <clears throat> and I feel like Wijnaldum popped up with some huge goals for Liverpool over the years. I think Elliot could become that sort of player, almost like Lampard was as well where he just turns okay. up all right where he just turns up at the, at the right place right time i think i think you could i think that's the sort of player he could he could be as long as he returns as he was from this injury which nowadays fingers crossed will be the case yeah, let's just be careful before we uh we get carried away though it is interesting though because it is a shame for oxlade chamberlain because um he he used to be a player that gave them that drive, didn't he? Um, think of that the famous game against um, Man City. But those injuries have just robbed him of any chance. And short of like some black magic, he's never going to get back to what he was. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that is a shame. I don't, I don't think he's someone you can rely on anymore. If only they could. Um, if only they could get one album back. Nah. Classic Liverpool. Um, Shout out to their ex. Um, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Um, talk about one of the other contenders, um, Man City. Um, absolutely disgusting goal to win it against Leicester. <laughs> but honestly, it's it is it is vile, vile. <laughs> like it's the most anti-Pep goal you've ever seen. It's just deflections all over the shot. But, but Dave. Winning away to Leicester is a massive result for them, particularly on a, a ground that's a bit, been a bit of a bogey for them. Yeah, I think it's a massive result for them, really. Um, Leicester are a team that are hard to hard to break down, to be fair. They've proven that the last couple of years, and they're usually good in these big games. Obviously beat um, Man City anyway in the... Oh, was, it, was it an FA Cup final? Or was that against Chelsea? Am I losing my mind? No, they beat they beat him in the they beat him in the um they beat him in the uh, league last year. Ah uh, yeah. Uh, we... yeah yeah when Madison scored that screamer as well didn't he? Yeah, they scored quite a few that day I think. Um, yeah, Leicester are sort of a team that are a benchmark. I uh, to be honest, I'd put beating Leicester above above like Tottenham these days and Arsenal, I'd say, say other than Man United. <laughs> I, I don't think that's a take, if I, I'm honest. I completely agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah other than other than Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester are easily the, the next hardest team in the league. So to beat them away from home as well, uh, I thought, yeah, I think that's... Obviously, the goal's scrappy. But at the end of the day, a win's a win, and that would be—I think—that would be quite big for the players, knowing that you know they can get the job done. Um, again, early days—it's hard to say where that sets them up for the rest of the season. But I think those are the sort of games that you can look back on at the end of the season, and maybe those three points with that deflected goal actually can be a bit of a a fine margin that gets you over the line. So, I think especially when we think there's. Especially when we think there's maybe three or four potential challenges this year, which there could be. A, a, a result like that is huge. I, I don't understand why Bernardo Silva 
hardly gets any game time. I know it's oh, I think a bit, it's of, a bit of hindsight because he scored the goal here, but he I, he's I, a cracking I, player. Yeah, I understand, so I, understand, I understand why, though. Would you like me to tell you why? Yeah, go on, Will. Because he's either got to play in central midfield where he's got to displace Kevin De Bruyne, who's maybe the best, one of the best attacking midfielders in, in the world, um, although he's a fraud. Um, sorry, I forgot my brand for a second. And then you've got Gundogan, who's essential to the way City set the tempo oh, on the other side. Gundogan. Absolutely essential to the way they set the tempo. So then what you're asking him to do is to go play right wing. And Bernardo Silva's a wonderful player. He's not better than Riyad Mahrez. <laughs> Simply put, he's not better than Riyad Mahrez. That really Mahrez. is on brand. He is not better than Riyad Mahrez. Very few people in that City team are better than Riyad Mahrez. And the fact that he didn't play this game is both curtains for me watching City and curtains for my fantasy team. So there you are. Fair. Oh, I just think it's mad how little minutes he gets. But then there's, a, I suppose, there's a few City players you can say that about. Yeah, no, that, that's what happens when you have a squad with the, the just the frightening. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It is crazy, isn't it? What they can. It's mad. Yeah. yeah, you don't even bring on De Bruyne, Foden, or Mares in this game. Phil. Like what the hell? What is that? Yeah, it, no. It is it is quite interesting though that when we were talking about our concerns about City is their ability to win some of the tight scrappy ones where the teams are dig are dug in because they don't have that penalty box assassin like some of the other teams have. Um, so to win this one was a big deal for them, I think, an absolutely big deal. So congratulations to City, the underdogs of the league. It's so great to see someone uh fight through. Um. Sarcasm, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Mike, Leicester have started with two wins and two losses. Should we be concerned? This is me turning to you, not at a festival, but this is me asking you this. Wow, you've dropped, dropped this on me, haven't you? At least at least we had some time for that Leeds one. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, a weird one, isn't it? Because we all just, as we've just done, basically just expect Leicester are going to be pretty good. And they, they probably will be. Who did they lose? Who was the other one they lost to? I feel like it was one they shouldn't have lost. Uh, I'm just getting I, I, it. Oh. West Ham. Yeah, they lost 4-1 to West Ham. There was a red card, obviously, in that game. Yeah, but it's tired. Uh, but Reggie were... should be better after he's gone off. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, they were 1-0 they were down when the red card happened, so they already weren't winning. Um, yeah, I, I guess... We've got to be a little bit concerned. They don't quite look at the same level, although obviously a bit unfortunate in this game. It's still early, I think. Leicester are going to be good, aren't they? They're still bedding in the likes of Vestergaard, who they signed pretty late. Obviously, Harvey Barnes is coming back. Yeah, I I just don't think their players have necessarily started that well either. So it should get better. I wouldn't be too worried yet. For what it's worth, and I might be proven very wrong, Leicester do not have the benefit, my benefit of the doubt ever. Not after the way they've bottled the last two seasons. They have lost the benefit of the doubt. I'm trying so, to be nice this year. Something's going to happen. That Jamie Vardy's going to not score any goals at some point, and you're in real trouble, Leicester. But there you are. Yeah, Maybe your succession. Well, okay. Yeah, we'll see if we'll see if he can sustain his four months of red hot form. Um. Speaking of red hot form, <laughs> red hot Rob, look at that. 
God, oh, what? no, love for that segue, unbelievable. Um, no, that was good. So the Chelsea, the Chelsea took three past Aston Villa, um, and having watched the game today, because that's what they decided to do on the day off was to watch a game that had already happened. Um, they were shocking, absolutely yep. shocking. Like they were so bad, so bad. Like Mendy had to, Mendy and Thiago Silva were unbelievably good. Um, Kovacic had his moments. Um, better call Saul. Awful. One of the worst debuts I've seen for a while, but he'll probably come good. You thrown in there well. Sorry. I like that reference. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Well, he needed a well, he needed a lawyer because he had to keep getting himself out of jail. It was awful, honestly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Mike, Mike, disgusted at that one. Um, (laughs) This is kind of. All the reasons why you signed Romelu Lukaku in the first place, though, because it was two two shots, two goals. Absolute clinical behaviour and probably one of the reasons why Chelsea are in with a shout. Um, Mike, didn't play particularly well. Won 3-0 against one of the teams that we think are probably better in the league. Was this a statement of intent? <laughs> Let's not get too carried away, shall we? Uh, no, it, it, so let's get a grip over it. All right, why not? Let's get carried away. No, this is a this is a good result, a, a very good result, given the way they played, especially. Um, yeah, I mean Lukaku, it's ex- as you said, it's exactly why you buy him because, despite only having, I think the stat is 25 touches in the game, uh, scores two goals. And depending on what website you use, Chelsea lost the XG battle in this in this game on 1-3-0 so that you use Michael (laughs) so that tells you how clinical Lukaku was Um, obviously you've got Kovacic providing the ammo for that first one which was an unbelievable pass an unbelievable pass you talk about you talk about Lukaku having 25 touches in the whole game I had 25 touches just watching that goal it was unbelievable (laughs) (laughs) It, it was a, a bloody fantastic pass. Um, almost bettered by the main man himself, Tyrone Mings, who, I mean, what a pass that was. Straight into the path of Kovacic. <laughs> it was the most ironically clinical finish I think I've ever seen from a player. It was, <laughs> it was kind of bizarre for a man who doesn't score goals. <laughs> I was like, what is this? <laughs> um, no. But yeah, and then Lukaku sticks another one in the top corner. So, Chelsea, Chelsea are good. They're very good. Yeah, Dave, watching the goals, um, you sort of got a sense that the idea of of the way Lukaku's game has almost matured because I think a younger Lukaku hits that first one on the left rather than take the touch inside to make it yeah. a, a make it a a much difficult thing. I mean, we've talked a lot about strikers. Ronaldo earlier on this one and um, Lukaku and Kane's obviously around. Um, if I had to push you for a golden boot winner, who were you Who were you liking in the early parts of the season? Oh, that's a tough one, Will. Um, Ferran Torres. No. I think Kovacic could score a few more after this one. I certainly don't. That is an outrageous finish. I just, I've got it on repeat here. It's a joke, just because oh, I'd rather watch Mings do that pass than what I've just seen from Jesse Lingard. 
if I'm gonna pick Gordon Beatwin, I'm I'm still gonna pick Mo Salah to be honest. Sensible. Uh, I like Rom. I like Rom too. Uh, secondly, though, Damari Gray is gonna score 23 goals, so he'll come second. 23. That's that's extremely specific. I like it. Mm. He has scored fr- all three goals, mate. Oh, all I mean, three. he scored all three of his goals. Sorry, I mean, that's... <laughs> tends to be how it works. He'd scored three from three shots, but he took another shot at the end of yesterday. Oh. Why oh. would he be in that stat? He's got oh. three from three shots. Yeah, you know what I meant. You I thoroughly enjoyed. I've thoroughly enjoyed ever going. Oh, I tell you what, Andrew, Andros Townsend looks a good sign. I'm like, he scores one of these a season, lads, and then yeah. just goes the rest of the season with bad crossing. Um, He's shy. He's also shy on talk sports. So. I don't think there's anyone who's good on talk sport other than Laura Woods. Um, Abrez, um, obviously, key cornerstone of the Lampard regime was a few more of the youth players coming in, and it obviously saved a boatload of cash. Um, Christensen coming back in after a couple of seasons top. Um, Mount obviously stepping up to becoming the English Messi. Um, Reese James, the uh, Stamford Fridge, obviously all these players. But Trevor Chaloba, after a good start, carrying on, playing all the full 90 again, playing pretty well. Um, promising signs that Tuchel's not just sacking off the youth, but then I guess having a Champions League in your back pocket gives you a bit more a bit more play, doesn't it? Yeah, you, you get a bit more licence, don't you? But yeah, he played Trevor Chaloba and hudson Adoy started this one as well. Um, he's still about apparently so that's good <laughs> he's hilarious he really is <laughs> he's, his best position is left wing and Chelsea will play him anywhere but there yeah uh, here on who scored he started at right wing back so that's that's wild yep <laughs> it's, it's great fun I'd, I have to say I haven't watched the full game but I don't know if that's exactly where he played but by the sounds of it it, yep, it is yep, yep, it was so that's that's carnage. They just don't seem to care where they put Hudson Odoi, which is quite funny. But yeah, on Chalibur, he started really well. Another good game under his belt here. He, and yeah, it's it's nice to see that Tuchel will still play them. Obviously, Mount's going to get a ton of minutes. He likes Reese James clearly as well. And Christensen's a bloody good player, which I I never thought I'd say those words. <laughs> so yeah, I I really didn't, but here we are. It's today. So, so yeah, I mean, that is part of the good news for Chelsea is that, yeah, you've still got these sort of players getting minutes and they are good enough. Yeah. So they're going to get more minutes uh, and you don't have to rely on spending. Well, obviously they have spent a lot, but you don't have to because you can still produce the likes of Chalibur, James. Etc. Key thing about Chalibur is you get someone like that and you avoid you spending 50 million on a midget like Kunde. Yeah. I say that as a not very tall man myself. Um, but exciting times and it's fitting that we end on the Champions of Europe as the Champions League comes back. Um, so lads, obviously Chelsea's campaign has kicked off. They're playing Zenit. They've got a, an interesting group with Juventus in there. The Ronaldo less Juventus. United have um, had a bit of a tough one. Thanks to Aaron Wambasaka and Jesse Lingard, but still plenty of promise. If we're looking at potential Champions League winners, who do you who do you like? Who have you got your eye on 
give me a Dave. I want a winner from you, and then a dark horse from you. Mike, I want a winner from you and a dark horse from you. Let's go with winners first. Dave, who have you got? Who have you got winning the whole thing? Christ. Uh... <laughs> he says he acts surprised. We we talked about this before the pod. I think Man City. Okay. Why? I don't know, you've, you've pressured me into an answer early doors. Um, I just think that... No, I don't think City, they don't even... Hold on, I have been pressured into an answer by picking a team that's no, all domestic honours and was uh, a finalist no, last no, year. It's not only really Man City, because they don't have a striker well. It's going to be Chelsea back-to-back. I okay. think Chelsea are probably going to win. Oh, God. For what it's worth, I also had Chelsea. Oh, don't do this. Because now I've got to pick against them because I don't believe anyone was here back to back. Part of me thought Man City. Part of me thinks that Man City are, are, dark, are like probably going to do what they did last year. But also, like Dave says, not having a strike is a big deal for them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just feel like Chelsea are very well set for a Champions League run again. It is odd that I don't feel like there's any real outstanding candidates. Other than I think Chelsea and City will be good. I think Liverpool will probably surprise people if they can just stay fit. And I think we might yeah. see the resurgence of Bayern. It is interesting that none of us immediately gravitated to PSG, who feels very much no. feels very they're, much Champions League or bust. They're the bookies' favourite PSG, just in case you. You know they strike. You know they strike me as PSG. They strike me as though that. And this is going to sound sacrilegious. They strike me as that Real Madrid team, you know, that won three, where they were crap in games. They were getting beaten by. Every, they were, they were getting, ta- they were tactically destroyed in a load of games. And then at the end of the game, they'd pop up with an individual bit of quality from Ronaldo, and they'd win the game. And I just feel like PSG have got that ability to beat you in lots of different ways. That is true, but I, I just don't like. I don't want them to win it, so I can't. Yeah, agreed. I don't. I don't like them either. No, I, no. I, I think they they're they're there for another bottle again. I would love that. No, we don't want PSG to win. We'll pick the much more likable options of for the neutral of Chelsea and Man City. Yeah, um, which is not even <laughs> really the case, is it? Uh, Imagine okay. a, a Chelsea or Man City against PSG final. I I just want to let you know if Chelsea go back to back, I will be unbearable on this podcast. Yeah, um, we might have to stop yeah. it. I don't think it would just be the podcast, Will. <coughs> no, no, no. Uh, Henry Holcham from the betting podcast has just started speaking to me again. Um, so they are. <laughs> um, Dark Horses, who are you looking forward to seeing in the competition? Who do you think could be exciting? Oh, so you, you don't want some, a Dark Horse that might surprise and win it? No, not really, because okay, nothing good. surprises me in the Champions League anymore. So that's fine. I don't have to give you Atletico Madrid for that. Someone who's going to oh, be fun, Christ. Atalanta, they're going to be Literally fun. Literally, I'd say Atalanta also, Mike. Yeah. Uh, apparently, young boys can spring a surprise, which I didn't know until about <laughs> half an hour ago. Steady on. Um, for me, it's uh, Milan. Excited to watch Milan. I thought about AC Milan, Will, but their group. They've got well, a they lot of good Liverpool. Well, they're better than Liverpool, so they are. <laughs> we'll see how that so. plays. <laughs> Not well. Um, 
I guess that'll do us. They'll get do us for this week. So I've got to go watch Chelsea play some some Russian team. Um, until next time, Dave. Where can the people find you if they want to find you? It's uh, so at Dave Harris underscore forty four. Yeah, you can also uh, find Dave's thoughts in any nearest trash bin. Just connect <laughs> your uh, make your headphones. There it is. We've said that many a time before. Um, Mike, if the people want to follow you to find out Joel Linton's full name, where can they do that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a cracker as well. So if you would like to find that out, it's at, at Mikey Breslin on Twitter. And you can follow me at Wilhunt17, where I will be uh, trying to fit even more little mixed lyrics and song names into the podcast segments. Um, but until then, the betting podcast is back on Thursday. Um, Friday. Friday, sorry. Mr. Mike Breslin, how are you getting on? Yeah, had a profitable week while we were away at a festival, so that's that's always nice. Henry uh, you... didn't put up any picks, so that was exactly. good. I was just about to ask you to comment on the rumours that the only reason it was successful was because Henry didn't bet anything. Yeah, but he's actually outperforming me this season, which is a real just disaster. So we've got to turn that around. Um, you got to... Yeah, quickly as well. We can't have that last any longer quickly and ladies and gentlemen pretty soon probably not this game week because you can tell some of us are slightly worse for wear um, we'll be back with a, a couple of uh, you watch alongs where you can come and watch us on twitch and watch us watch the goal show and talk about all things football and yeah digestive share it's gonna be great opinion digestives you can touch such impressive top topics as should you eat fish if it's that far from the sea um excited things like that so keep an eye out for there and we'll be letting you know when those are happening on the podcast on twitter on facebook on instagram via snapchat it's a private snapchat it's called the mosley marauder just get it there (laughs) until next time goodbye